This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who have extremely fuzzy yet haunting memories of some movie featuring Willy Wonka singing in a turtle suit. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Tooping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 1999's made-for-TV movie, Alice in Wonderland. From the creators of Gulliver's Travels and Merlin comes the biggest entertainment event of the year. Alice in Wonderland. I'll be so late. Discover a masterpiece of imagination starring Robbie Coltrane, Whoopi Goldberg, Ben Kingsley, Christopher Lloyd, Miranda Richardson, Martin Short, Peter Ustinoff, George Wendt, Gene Wilder, and Tina Majorino as Alice. <laughs> if you want to experience something altogether different, you've come to the right place. This is not your ordinary tea party. What sort of people live around here? Everyone here is bad. And this episode, again, is very special because Tina Majorino is back and joining us to answer all of our highly specific questions about this deeply impactful and very eerie TV event. Yes. She was so generous with her time and her stories. Uh, we cannot wait for you guys to hear everything she told us because it's very heartwarming. Yes. And I feel like this is one of those episodes where maybe a lot of people haven't seen what we're talking about because it seems like if you didn't catch it on TV in 1999, it could have been very difficult to come by in the yes. time shortly after that. Um, and as you will hear, like we didn't even have it legitimately. Our mom taped it off of TV. So yeah. we had the commercials in with the whole thing on tape. So if you haven't seen it, I would recommend a watch before hearing Tina talk about everything. Because if you have the context, I think it'll mean like it'll like mean more. It will absolutely mean more because a lot of my questions were like or a lot of our questions were really specific like about certain elements of the movie that are like really weird or kind of scary or like upon rewatch were hitting just as hard if not harder than they did when we were children um so you should watch this movie also just because it's like unbelievably weird yeah it's scary <laughs> it is scary but I really loved it when I was rewatching it um okay Audrey 
What's the hot take of the week? So this week, our hot take comes from Blanton, and Mm -hmm. he would like us to (laughs) rank the Lindsay Lohan cinematic universe. So for us, I'm just going to count the movies that we know the best. Like Herbie Fully Loaded, Just My Luck, I can't go there. Georgia Rule, (laughs) I can't go there. I don't know those as well, so I'm not going to include them. Yes. So we're including Mean Girls, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, Freaky Friday, and... Parent Trap. Parent Trap. That's the other one. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. yeah. When When I first heard this hot take, I was like, I don't know... I don't know if we have the intellectual space to rank all of the Lindsay Lohan <laughs> expanded cinematic universe right now. So, uh, yes, we just did these four. Do you, well, you should guess mine if you feel like you could do okay. it. Okay. Well, first is Confessions. Yes. Then it's sort of a toss-up between Mean Girls and Freaky Friday, but I'm going to say Mean Girls second. Okay. Is that wrong? That's so that's wrong. So, Freaky Friday second. <laughs> yeah. Freaky yes. Friday second, then Mean Girls, then Parent Trap. Or pa- oh, yeah. Parent Trap, then Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Mine goes Confessions, Freaky Friday, Parent Trap, Mean Girls, from best to worst. And Mean Girls is not bad. I've just seen it so many times that I feel like it doesn't even, like, have meaning to me anymore. But Confessions is, like, one of my favorite movies. And Freaky Friday was so much better than I remembered when I was upon rewatch. And then Parent Trap is great and comforting and long as fuck, but, like, in a nice way. And Mean Girls is good. Yeah. What about you? I think mine would be the same, but probably just with Parent Trap last instead of Mean Girls. Yeah. Just because I would choose to watch Mean Girls, I think, before Parent Trap. Maybe. It just depends. Parent Trap, though, is like you got to be in the mood for that, whereas Mean Girls, I can pretty much consume any in, in any given situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Parent Trap to me is very sleepover cinema. It's like you want something long. You want to be comfy when you're watching it. Like maybe have a snack. I really romanticize the levels of air conditioning that we could get to in our high school basement. That just a cold basement, a nice blanket in that movie. I can't ask for anything more. Once again, like our episode last week, we're going to try to keep the notes relatively short just to get to the interview, but there is kind of a lot to cover. So um, we'll try to do this as efficiently as possible. So Alice in Wonderland, the 1999 version was, it premiered on Hallmark, I'm pretty sure, on February 8th, 1999. Um, It was rated PG and it was produced by Hallmark Productions. And we will come back to Hallmark Productions later in these notes. Um, But the movie was written by, like the screenplay was written by Peter Barnes, who wrote the screenplay for 1998's Merlin, which seems to have been another project made by the creative team that made this movie. But primarily, Alice in Wonderland, obviously, it was adapted from the works of Lewis Carroll, the original author. And here's just a little blurb about him that I got. Charles Ludwig Dodgson, better known by his pen name, Lewis Carroll, was an English author, poet, and mathematician. His most notable works are Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and its sequel, Through the Looking Glass. He was noted for his facility with wordplay, logic, and fantasy. So shout out to Charles Ludwig Dodgson. I wonder why he made a pen name. (laughs) 
And then the director of this movie is Nick Willing. Um, he went on to do more TV miniseries um, and did a little bit of writing too. But at least this is the only movie of his that I really recognized. And then the movie was produced by a bunch of people, but the executive producer was Robert A. Halmy. He also produced, Audrey, do you remember the 2007 Wizard of Oz adaptation with Zoe Deschanel in it? Yeah. We watched it with our parents, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. But it was called Tin Man. And I didn't realize that Alan Cumming is in it, but Alan Cumming is in it. Anyway, Robert also produced Lonesome Dove, Farscape, The Baby Dance. He is an executive producer for most of the projects he's on, especially like more recently. But he literally had 37 titles alone in 2007. And overall, he had 331 credits on IMDb, which like... How? But he did a lot of TV movies. That was kind of like his main thing. And he was an executive producer of The Tenth Kingdom, which, I mean, what can we even say about The Tenth Kingdom? It did everything for us. Yeah, we should honestly make a thread in our Discord for The Tenth Kingdom and then just like peer pressure everyone to watch. <laughs> it's so good, but I can't tell if it's actually good or not. It's I like the perfect example of sleepover cinema. Yeah, it's like I can recommend it to people who are like-minded. At, but yes. without nostalgia, I don't really know. <laughs> Audrey, would you like to read the synopsis? Yeah, okay. So basically, Alice in Wonderland, but I'll read it anyway. Mm-hmm. So Alice follows a white rabbit down a rabbit hole into a whimsical wonderland where she meets characters like the delightful Cheshire cat, the clumsy white knight, the rude major caterpillar, and the hot-tempered queen of hearts, and can grow 10 feet tall or shrink to three inches. But will she ever be able to return home? And there's one tagline. Yeah, our one tagline is a masterpiece of imagination dot. Beautiful. Okay, so there's a lot in the cast. There's a lot of really big people. Okay, so I'm going to do the speed version of... of the cast here because a lot of these people are so famous that they kind of don't need introduction. First up, we have, of course, our guest Tina Majorino in the role of Alice. She was around 11 when she filmed this movie. Um, And this was kind of like the last act of her child acting career. She took a little break after this and then came back, as you will hear in our interview with her next But, of course, she's really well-known for having played Deb in Napoleon Dynamite. Um, But she also had a recurring role in Veronica Mars. She was in Waterworld. She was in Karina Karina alongside Whoopi, who we will talk about today. Whoopi Goldberg. She was in Grey's Anatomy, True Blood, Big Love. I'm going fast because... In the Napoleon episode, we listed everything, too. Um, But she is a gem and the nicest person ever. And we cannot wait for you to uh, hear what she had to say in the second half. We have Whoopi Goldberg as the Cheshire Cat. Robbie Coltrane as Tweedledum, aka Hagrid. Um, Ben Kingsley as the Caterpillar. Interestingly, he was Gandhi in the movie Gandhi. Christopher Lloyd as the White Knight, who was in Back to the Future, who framed Roger Rabbit, Clue, Adam's Family Values. Peter Postlethwaite as the gardener. He's extremely (laughs) English. Miranda Richardson as the Queen of Hearts. I mean, Madame Jerry in the fucking Phantom of the Opera movie, amongst other things. And George Went as Tweedledee, who's in Cheers, Spice World, Fat Sam. And of course, Gene Wilder as the Mock Turtle. 
best known for having played Willy Wonka in the 70s version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but also probably equally well known for playing Young Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein and Leo in The Producers. Truly a wonderful person to see on screen and apparently in real life, as you will hear in the second half. So our budget is $21 million estimated, and it is a TV budget where usually in those situations we can't get an exact number. And we also can't know necessarily what the profit was because there wasn't box office profit. But I don't know if there's statistics out there about viewership. We may not have actual answers exactly about the viewership, but this is a little blurb from the Los Angeles Times from March 3rd, 1999. Starring Tina Majorino, the three-hour production sank the premiere of Disney's Little Mermaid, coming through the looking glass with this season's highest rating for a single-part TV movie, despite the fact that roughly a quarter of the audience tuned it out before it ended. Damn. (laughs) Well, it is long. But the fact that it had more attention than when Disney's Little Mermaid first played on TV, I mean, that's big. Critic score. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. People are going to hate on this movie because it's very strange. It's a really strange experience to watch. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. That is really the truth. And the critics were not living. (laughs) This movie got a critic score of 33%. And you know... There were some blurbs on Rotten Tomatoes about this movie, but I decided to not cultivate a robust list of negative opinions. And now for the audience score, we have a 66%. And I just picked a couple little blurbs from the audience that stood out to me that I thought were funny. Okay, first one. Five stars. Yeah, maybe it's got its faults. Looking glass scenes added in inexplicably, whatever. But by God, this is the trippiest film ever made. Hours and hours of madness. It's like you're in a dream that takes control of you. The grass and the trees are so green. The colors are so amazingly vivid. The camera work is so melty, question mark. And everything just flows together in the weirdest, most unreal way. So enjoyable. Everything is happy and crazy, just like Lewis Carroll intended it to be. Live a little, just like Alice. Dive into it. I ended up imagining I was Alice and walking in and out of these magical places for hours. What a druggy film. The Caterpillar, a thousand references, sentences mangled and regurgitated as inspired poetry, rainbow colors, hundreds of characters, the list goes on. I love this film. Film. Watch it. Lock yourself away with it. <laughs> and I really appreciated that review of it. I thought it was really immersive. <laughs> and then, okay, now we have a one star review. To me, this could also be a five star review based off of what they're saying. Alice in Wonderland makes the audience feel as if they had just taken some sort of hallucinogen. This is the type of movie that will have you saying, what am I watching over and over again? And then next we have a three-star review that says, it actually scares me how crazy it is. And a 0.5-star review saying, a very weird movie, which has a very freaky feeling while watching it. The movie has a very distinctive viewpoint and style of execution. And I really like that about it. I feel like I'm the first reviewer, honestly. But yeah, so that's what the audience had to say. Now we've got some tweets from people who said interesting or notable things about this movie. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know how of late, but 
at some point. So somebody tweeted, did anyone else watch the 1999 made-for-TV Alice in Wonderland when they were a kid? Thought I dreamt it until the other day. Most of it just looks like a David LaChapelle photo. Truly cursed from top to bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Second person said, feeling deeply upset about Whoopi Goldberg as the (laughs) Cheshire Cat in the 1999 Alice in Wonderland movie. There were a lot of people tweeting the same thing. There were a lot of people being like, Whoopi Goldberg in this movie walked so cats could run. Like there was a lot of side-by-sides of like her and Jennifer Hudson in the cat CGI that I thought was funny. Also, there were a lot of tweets that were just people being like, let's get drunk together if you watch this movie. That was like a spirit of the online community as well. Someone else says... The Alice in Wonderland movie from 1999 was so scary. I used to watch it all the time when I was little, even though it scared me. The rabbit and the baby especially. Yeah, the baby is nightmare fuel in, um, like, we've probably used that term before on this show. I think we have. But this beats (laughs) anything I've ever referred to as nightmare fuel. It is so scary that even when we bring it up with Tina... Tina was like, yeah, that was the scariest shit ever. It was Um, scary for her in real life. Yeah. And I also feel like she said that the rabbit freaked her out too. But we'll have to like share a clip of that scene somewhere because it is very interesting and unsettling. The 1999 made-for-TV Alice in Wonderland is my godfather actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then lastly, I have had the damn beautiful soup song from the 1999 live-action Alice in Wonderland stuck in my head all damn day, and I feel like I'm going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll also talk more about beautiful soup in the second half. But okay, so 1999 context. I decided to, uh, do some research into Hallmark Productions for this moment because they've made a bunch of stuff that uh, was like on the outskirts of our consciousness when we were kids. So they were doing a lot at the time. So first of all, they made Merlin, which we didn't see, but it came up a lot in my research. And Rutger Hauer was in Merlin, who's the Huntsman from 10th Kingdom, and Helena Bottom Carter is also in it, which I was surprised to see. Um, But the production team is pretty similar. Hallmark Productions also made The Tenth Kingdom. I don't need to say anything else than that. They made a 1996 Titanic starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and Tim Curry, which I found to be very strange. Um, And they did start making it in the middle of production for the real Titanic. And it's about a poor boy and a rich girl. And it's basically just a huge ripoff. But I did find some interesting information about it, which is that like internationally, it was marketed as Titanic too. Like it just, it shoved its way in there and the trailer was really funny. So I encourage you to look at that. Gulliver's Travels. I didn't see this, but I know I saw the commercial for it at some point. They also produced the TV movie of Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart, which I found to be surprising. And, of course, who could forget the direct-to-video or, I guess, TV movie, Snow White, Fairest of Them All, with Miranda Richardson and Kristen Kruk ahead of its time. We will probably cover that at some point. But clearly, Hallmark Productions loves Miranda Richardson, so they have good taste. Yeah. And um, ultimately, they've produced over 450 things. I mean, their niche is nightmare fuel, uncanny fairy tales with uh, 
<laughs> okay, not Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> but the rest is like questionable VFX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alice yeah, Alice yeah. in Wonderland got more money, so they were able to like make sure everything looked nice. But like, yeah. there's some VFX in that version of Snow White that are like, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Remember how the seven dwarves, like, travel in a rainbow? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But Miranda Richardson is serving you-know-what the entire time. Like, the dresses, the disdain. It's amazing. I'm really excited for this part of the interview. And if you haven't seen this movie, um, I... (laughs) You already know what I'm about to say. You can only buy it on Amazon. Yeah, I spent the $7. Personally, it was worth it to me. And especially because when we were little, we only had the ripped version, which actually we need to talk about when we first watched this and what we remember really fast. I have no idea when I first watched it. It lives in my subconscious. So I feel Mm -hmm. like you might remember better than I do. Yes. So our, as we said, our mom recorded this movie straight off of TV. So we had all of like the 1999 commercials baked into our version. I just remember the commercials really living on in my mind for whatever reason. I always remember her yellow dress. I remembered, I could barely remember the baby scene, but I remembered it. I remember the rabbit being kind of creepy, the cookies that she eats to shrink and grow, the bottles of the potion that she drinks. But honestly, What I could remember was like very, very foggy. So watching the movie was truly like being re-immersed into like a childhood dream. It was a very evocative experience. If you've watched this movie, I'm so excited for you because this interview (laughs) fills in so many of the gaps. Um, And even if you haven't watched the movie, there's a lot of really cute stories about Whoopi Goldberg and Gene Wilder and other people on set. And you'll get to hear them. So... And you'll get to hear Tina even better. So go watch the movie and uh, meet us back here. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Okay, it is time for us to reveal, <laughs> reveal behind <laughs> this door, um, our conversation with Tina Majorino about 1999's Alice in Wonderland. The fact that I got to ask her some of these questions feels like a blessing. 
Without further ado, here is our conversation with Tina about 1999's Alice in Wonderland. So Audrey and I had 1999's made-for-TV Alice in Wonderland throughout our childhood on, like, ripped from TV, like, with the commercials baked in. No way. Yes. Um, That's amazing. I agree. I don't know where the tape is because I rewatched it on... um, on Amazon the other day. But it's one of those movies that we watched like a bazillion times and then probably hadn't seen for like at least 15 years, I would say. So that's so <laughs> wild that you're talking about a movie that I did and it's like I haven't seen it in 15 years. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And like when I was trying to remember what it was like, I was like I have a lot of really foggy memories about it, but like, there's no way that it is that way. But then I watched it and it was exactly how I remembered it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And was like, how? This movie is like, without a doubt, the most dreamlike experience I've ever had watching a movie. So how would you describe the tone of this movie? Dreamlike as well. And I mean, it's hard because... When you're in something, you have your own personal experience that can some sometimes taint mm-hmm. the project for you. So you're not seeing it objectively. But my experience doing that movie was so magical. It was insane. Like, I will never have another experience like that. And I've never had, like, since then, I've never had an experience like that. But the tone of the film is definitely dream, dreamlike. Because the, the director... And the producers and everybody really wanted to go more off of the origins of Alice, which is very much like a fever dream, if you want to say it politely. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, sort of like an opium trip. So it is a little bit darker, but it's still like stunningly beautiful Mm -hmm. and wild and an adventure. And yeah, I would say that that's a very apropos way of describing (laughs) it. I I am glad that the description was appropriate because that's how I felt watching it. So I went on YouTube and like looked up and watched all the behind the scenes stuff I could find and which was really a journey. And um, I was just wondering, (laughs) like, how much of the acting that you did was like actually with real other people in the room versus what was in front of a blue screen alone. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, I've never seen any of the behind the scenes. So I'm going to have to go down a YouTube rabbit hole later today. (laughs) Um, So a lot of it is real. A lot of it, I was really in person with people like even the Griffin. Yes. You know, the giant Eagle Uh lion was real. Mm -hmm. That was a puppet. Jim Henson's, Muppet people made all of those, like the hedgehogs and everything. Ben Kingsley is the caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I was really there with him, but he wasn't as big and right. all of that kind of stuff. So we did a lot of in-person things mm-hmm. just in front of the green screen. And a lot of the sets were built to trick trick the eye. So there were a lot of optical illusion sort of stuff. I'm trying to remember if I did any scenes with people that weren't there Oh, with Whoopi, with the Cheshire Cat. Right. She's probably the one character that I wasn't, my side of all of those scenes, Mm -hmm. she was not there. This is when Whoopi was still not traveling by plane. She used to never go on planes. Yeah. And so all of my stuff, we shot Alice in England. And then I flew to New York Mm 
to do her scenes with her, which she was all in front of green screen, obviously. Okay. So um, her and I'm trying to think of any of the other people <laughs> that weren't really there. I feel like my experience was definitely mostly with people in, in person, just in front of, you know, on a giant green screen stage. Cause mm-hmm. like the Mad Hatter's tea party, uh, the sizing had to be adjusted. And yeah. I actually have still to this day, I have one of the chairs from the, the tea party that makes me look super <laughs> tiny. And it's so fun. Yeah. Most of it was in, in person stuff, which is really quite amazing when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but for Whoopi, I was looking at a tennis ball 100% of the time. Got it. Well, because yeah. you had also worked with her before, though, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. was it weird that she was like the one person that you weren't seeing in person? <laughs> it wasn't really weird. I was just more looking forward to actually being able to see her again. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, how old was I when I did Alice? I think I was like 11 mm-hmm. or 12. So I hadn't seen her since I was eight. But she was so dope. She <laughs> kept in touch with me after we wrapped our first film together. Mm-hmm. And because she never would get on planes, she used she had a fax machine on her tour bus. And she used to draw pictures to me and I would draw pictures back and we would like communicate via a fax machine. <laughs> um, so she was really awesome. And it was just like it was a very, very exciting thing to get to work with her again. Mm-hmm. and. It was pretty funny because I do remember asking my mom at the time, like, do you think that she's going to remember me? <laughs> and my mom, my mom was like, sweetie, <laughs> I know it seems like you've lived a lot of life, but it's only been a couple of years. Of course, she's going to remember you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was worried that she wasn't going to remember me. <laughs> she did. Just nice. for the record, she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to move out of state. I had to move. Um, far away from my family for the first time by myself mm-hmm. for to do a show mm-hmm. and whoopee out of nowhere when I was 24 emailed me and said I heard that you're moving to this city here are a couple of my friends that live there if you ever get scared or you ever need anything contact them they're there for you they'll take you to dinner they'll they'll show you around you know wow like, come on <laughs> so cute it's pretty amazing. Like, yeah. talk about being thoughtful. Yeah. Wow. And at 24, I was definitely convinced that she didn't remember. <laughs> but, so you know. Cool. Wow. Shout out to Whoopi. What a queen. As we would guess. Yeah. I'm glad she's actually like that. You know? She's, she's incredible. Like, just getting to know her, because I got to know her super well when we did Karina Karina together. Mm-hmm. She's so cool. She's so much cooler than you would think that she would be. She's so smart and she's so strong. And like, what an amazing influence to have in my life as a young actress coming up too. Mm-hmm. It's just like learning not just the politics of set, but how to respect yourself and how to ask for what you need and just how she treats the crew and how she, I mean, she's just, she's rad. Um, so you already brought up that Jim Henson's workshop made all the puppets for Alice, which I didn't know until I was rewatching it. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense, but I hadn't put that together until this time. Um, so I wrote, they range from extremely creepy to not creepy at all, but the baby will always haunt me. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, the the baby. Yes, please. The baby was very freaky <laughs> yeah. in person. And I recall being very put off by the baby when they first handed me the baby. And I was like, how do I, how do I not be afraid of this thing? Cause it had, it's when they first developed like that silicone skin mm-hmm. yeah. that now they use for everything. Yeah. Like they use it on fake dead bodies and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's gotten even better. So it's even more disturbing now, but at the time I had never touched a puppet because the thing moved. Yeah. So there was a puppeteer moving it, but it had the real skin. And I was just like, fuck, this is weird. <laughs> so I just had to sort of demean it by, mm-hmm. you know, picking its nose and mm-hmm. playing with it. And, but it was freaky. I mean, it looks like something from a nightmare, that baby. Absolutely. And the, no. I mean, that whole scene, she's gliding around. She's singing about beating the baby. And then it turns into a I pig. Know. I'm like, how? Yeah. <laughs> okay, the pig, the pig uh-huh. was a cutie. That's that good. The pig was a cutie. <laughs> um, but that scene was very chaotic. <laughs> I mean, even to film, it was very chaotic because she was on a, a dolly and she had her big ball skirt yeah. over it. And then they were just like, fucking. <laughs> making her go around this track over and over again god bless her yeah um but yeah it was really fun but I'm glad. it was it was <laughs> it was an intense couple of days going that. yeah that scene definitely upon rewatching it i was like oh this it's like, dark it's so dark and it just yeah. came out of like the basement of my brain and I was like yes I did see this <laughs> and it, yeah. it was real um yeah but otherwise puppet wise um which one was your favorite puppet if you had one probably the griffin mm-hmm. I loved that so much and it was one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen mm-hmm. in real life at that age mm-hmm. And because I am such a, an imagination person, like I love those phantasmagorical creatures and all of those sorts of things that seeing something like that, that you've heard described in books before and seeing it in person. And it was huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I can't give you a real measurement because I was 11, but (laughs) bigger than, you know, my brother who's six two. So yeah. Big. Yeah. You know, and um, all of their puppeteers were amazing. Mm-hmm. And they were also so nice that they would let me, they had a shop. Ooh. Like they had the shop. Okay. On the lot that we were filming at in England and they'd let me visit. And Aww. they actually gave me one of the hedgehogs. So I have that in my office too. So the hedgehogs are really cute. Yeah. However, the reason they're not my fave is because I never saw them manipulating it does mm-hmm. that make sense mm-hmm. I only saw like the ones that just sat there yeah static the hedgehog static hedgehog <laughs> yeah yep yes a static hog yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that uh the griffin was my favorite rewatching it too because it wasn't creepy at all it was just big it was just big yeah. and beautiful mm-hmm. and so majestic yeah it was very cool and yeah. like when you saw it up close just the intricacy of all of the feathers and the mm-hmm. detail and like the eyeballs were so real. And yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's it's gorgeous. I <laughs> love really the Griffin. Pretty. 
So speaking of that scene, because um, Gene Wilder's in that scene with that song that is so good. Yeah. Um, what was it like working with all of these like extremely famous like male actors in their 60s when you were 11? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you know like who they were? Okay, so. Or were you just like vibing or was it a combination? <laughs> <laughs> just vibing. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing is like a couple of them I was very aware of, like Mm -hmm. Martin Short. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with the movie Clifford. Was it Clifford? (laughs) Where he he plays the 11 year old. Have either of you seen that movie? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. 10 out of 10 recommend. Okay. 10 out of 10. (laughs) So devastating. It's so funny. Um, And Father of the Bride. Okay. So I, I definitely knew about him. And then Christopher Lloyd, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, mm-hmm. like I was so nervous. So I did with certain people that like were in my viewership yeah. world, I was I was nervous about. And it's so funny because when I was first starting out, I didn't know who the fuck anybody was, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Like I was just I mean, excited. You were, to you were like be, six. You were like a, a yeah, baby. in my first movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was a baby. So yeah. it's like if you weren't in the Wizard of Oz, sorry, I don't know who you are. Um, but, you know, obviously, as you get older and you watch more movies, then you become more aware. And I think also the longer that I was in the business, the more that I could sense how other people changed when certain people would come in mm-hmm. where there was like an energy of like, oh, this this person is big time, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Gene Wilder, I did. I was very, very, he was the one I was most nervous mm-hmm. for because he's Willy Wonka. Right. And such a magical person. Mm-hmm. And here's the other facet is like, I was the only person that was always there. Mm-hmm. I never left. But it was, we were on a schedule where every two weeks, a new actor would come in to film their portion. Mm-hmm. And my homies on the set, the the assistant directors, and, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be like, hey, next week, this person's coming in. And I'd be like, okay, tell me what's good. <laughs> and they would be like, um, you know, they have a pretty good reputation, but they might be problematic. I don't know if they like kids. Right. And I would be like, okay. Um, which, you know, now that I'm an adult is, is so fascinating to think back that like, those were the kinds of conversations that I was having. And also like, I was aware of like how the, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just Mm -hmm. very interesting to me as an adult, trying to picture myself as a child, trying to navigate something like that. Mm -hmm. Like somebody just being honest with you and being like, I don't know if this guy likes kids. And you're like, okay, well then I'm going to make him like, (laughs) there were people on the set that probably made me more nervous because of feedback like that versus Mm -hmm. like who they were in the zeitgeist. Yeah. But with Gene Wilder, I didn't want to hear anything. I was like, don't tell me anything about him. I just, I just want to meet him and like, whatever. And can I tell a Gene Wilder story? Please. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, um, I was on the stage first and they built that beautiful set for him. Mm -hmm. And he actually had to be on the giant, he had to be on like a a super enlarged soup 
liquid. It's like a cauldron, like a giant cauldron. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they built like a giant one on the green screen stage. Mm-hmm. And so I was there uh, waiting and I had to fucking sing with him. Right. And like I sing, mm-hmm. love to sing. I have terrible stage fright when it comes to singing. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, it's Gene Wilder. <laughs> and you're like, this is this is beyond a dream. This is beyond a fantasy. But also, uh, I don't want to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. And so when he finally came on set, he said, hello, little one. And immediately I was like, oh, he's so, he's so nice. Like he had really good energy, mm-hmm. not to sound too woo woo, but you know, that's yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Really good, good vibes, good energy. And he said, are you excited? And I said, yes, but I'm, I'm very, very nervous. And he took both of my hands and he said, don't be nervous. It's just me. And I was like, it's just me. It's just you, Gene Wilder. (laughs) Maybe one of the the most iconic people in all of time. But he made me feel so confident and comfortable and like made the entire process just play. Wow. And also because I always want, I'm, I'm still like this. I always want to do a good job. I really was during that movie, especially, I like didn't want to let anybody down mm-hmm. me playing Alice. So I was just like really trying my best. And he was so sweet about like noticing different things that I would do in different takes mm-hmm. and pointing it out and like giving me words of encouragement. He was just the fucking best. Aww. He was really, really sweet. But the fact that he took my hands and said, it's just me. I was like <laughs> this. He's the he's the best. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Even um, when I was watching it, I was like, he feels the most comforting out of any of the characters by such a large margin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and even when he's like, now, <laughs> when he was like, now so I true. think you're ready to find your way. I was like, I feel like I'm ready to find my way now that he said that <laughs> right? to me. Like, damn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, like, even at 11, that was emotional. Mm-hmm. When he was like, I think you're ready to find your way. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you talking to Alice or to me? It's Gene Wilder. And now, my dear, I think you're ready to find your way. And they say this sort of thing is only for the rich. <laughs> One more chorus, dear fella. He, it was, he's amazing. Wow. And that's so true. He's mm-hmm. probably like the least scary, yeah. intimidating, weird um He's just so sweet in that movie. And like the combo of him and the Griffin. Mm-hmm. Just kiss. Very soothing. Yeah. Very soothing. Yeah, very. Especially that very. deep into the movie when you're like, what the hell is about to show up next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it's that instead. Yeah. 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 Gave you a little reprieve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the song yeah. too. The song is so good. The song is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, even when I listen back to it now, which isn't often, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. I got to do a duet with Gene Wilder. Obviously, I grew up listening to him sing in Willy Wonka, Mm -hmm. but... I feel like even generations after me, like he just has one of the most beautiful 
like you're saying, soothing. Yeah. Very soothing voice. Yes. Very cool. Beautiful soup, so rich and green, waiting in a hot tureen. In the movie, I feel like Alice has this energy of just like buying into everything. Like there's no like resistance or like skepticism to the world. And I was wondering if that was like a specific direction you were given or like a choice that you made. That's a phenomenal question. Thank you. Good on you for that one. (laughs) Um, Literally no one's ever asked that. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Um, I think, I think in the original Alice, there was like a suspension of belief. For, mm-hmm. for Alice. Mm-hmm. But I also think that like when you're a child, you are just so much more accepting of whatever's happening because you <laughs> yeah. don't know any better than to just be like, oh, this is this is real. That's what makes kids so magical anyways, is mm-hmm. like they're not indoctrinated with all of the adult nonsense yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I believe in Santa. I believe in unicorns. <laughs> I believe in all of this magical stuff that makes life better and more fun to believe in. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that that was in the original story. Mm -hmm. For me, I really was like that. Yeah. I mean, I believed in Santa Claus until I was 13 years old. That's (laughs) no, no bullshit. So it's like, (laughs) I felt like I wanted to, I wanted to stay true to the the version of the story that we were trying to tell, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted it to feel like Alice as your guide through Wonderland didn't make you feel scared because then everything is scarier. Right. If she's not, if she's not scared, you're like, what are you doing, bitch? (laughs) And (laughs) and Alice is just like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll eat this mushroom. I'll do whatever. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just felt like being authentic to the character. And then also just wanting that, wanting her as the guide to be, um, not really the straight man, but you know what I mean? Right. Is where she, she's just like, I felt like it fed into her bravery. Cause I always mm-hmm. felt like Alice was a very brave little girl. Cause I can't say that I would have responded <laughs> that great. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, totally. uh, so I guess a, that was a long winded way of me saying like, it was part of the story that we were trying mm-hmm. to tell, but also a personal choice that I tried to incorporate as well speaking of the uh consuming of foods audrey do you want to ask this question oh yeah, oh, yeah. i've okay. always always wanted to know what that red liquid is in the bottle that you drink like what oh it just, okay it looks so good to me <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be so disappointed no is it just dyed like water yeah yeah no so here's the thing is like i uh, I'm so sorry to shatter your dreams. You're like, was it Hawaiian punch? It just looks so good. You made it look great. It, oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's all the prop department. And then like, you know, they tried a couple of different things that just didn't photograph right. Mm-hmm. Like when I was tipping it to drink it, it was like, oh, it's too syrupy or, you know, you can't have bubbles in it or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. literally water and dye. Wow. Yeah. Well, there we have it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to fake that it tasted good because like, I don't know if you ever had red dye just 
Mm-mm. in water. It's not, not cute. Great. Yeah, probably gross. No. <laughs> it's also just noteworthy that there is a lot of really good looking slash really specific food items in this movie, like the oh cookies. Like, yeah. Like memorable to you too. So none of the cookies, <laughs> the, the cookies, those gorgeous tea party cookies mm-hmm. that they had there and like even the, the eat me cookies and yeah. all of that. I would go to the prop department and I would be like, hey, if you guys happen to have any of those left over, like, may I have one? And they're like, you're not going to like them. Like, of course you can have a cookie, but they're not good. And I was like, I don't believe you. You're, you know, you're just being like my mom and saying that I can't have sugar. And they're like, no, try it. And most of the food that you see in movies mm-hmm. that looks really good is not good yeah. because they paint it a certain way or, you know, it's usually cold. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of awful. Those cookies were not good. <laughs> I'll tell you what was good because I ate it. I tried it. I was like, you guys are bullshitting me. It w- it actually tasted like dirt. Yeah. It was not. It was not good. Um, <laughs> the thing that was delicious was the mushroom. You know, when I like mm-hmm. take the handful I, I ate so much of that stuff <laughs> and I was like, can we do another take? <laughs> and they're like, no, we've, we've got it. And I was like, okay, can I have, can I have some like as a snack? It mm-hmm. was this really, I can't even describe it. It's not marzipan because mm-hmm. I, at the time had like a deathly, like bad nut allergy mm-hmm. marzipan's made of almonds. Um, so they came up with like this sugar dough stuff. Okay. And God damn, it was good. <laughs> I got sick off of that because I ate so much of it. I was like, this is delicious. Okay. This is another really specific question. <laughs> okay. So, you know, okay. So it's my understanding that a lot of Alice in Wonderland's original text is like satire on British society of the time or like political mm-hmm. dynamics or whatever. And I was just wondering if that ever was like broken down or like dramaturgically explained to you or if it was just like besides the point. Um, <laughs> these are fantastic questions. Thank you. Really good questions. Um, I don't really think that it was overly explained to me. I was, and I still am very much into history mm-hmm. and was, and still am like a big nerd about that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of knew that mm-hmm. because I did read, not that I can remember any of it now, <laughs> which is kind of nice because I could reread it with fresh eyes, but mm-hmm. I had read the real Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So um, then when you're on set and we were filming like, what's that fucking game called? Why am I blanking on it? Croquet. Yeah, yeah, Croquet. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alice is sort of looking around at everybody and it's establishing like who they were in the dream or in yeah. Wonderland, right? Then um, that was, that part was explained to me and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think they really wanted to keep me. It sounds funny, but they wanted to keep me grounded in in Wonderland. And our director was so amazing. Nick, he gave me so much freedom playing that part. Mm -hmm. So it was like not a lot of boundaries were put on me because he wanted to see what I came up with, Mm -hmm. which is like incredible and amazing were you freaked out about being Alice going into it 
or were you like, I'm going to do this baby. It's going to go well. I feel like I was nervous about it, but not nearly as nervous as I get when I'm prepping something now. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, I remember wanting it so badly and my audition process was the worst that I, it's like top 10 worst auditions ever. Like they sent me the wrong pages. (gasps) I had memorized 18 pages of the wrong thing. And then like the place that I went to audition in, the lights were terrible. So they couldn't even see my face in the videotape. (laughs) And then another actress who I won't name, but was very prevalent and was like, I'll do it for free. And I was like, I'm fucked. She'll do (laughs) it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then I still got it. Mm -hmm. And so I felt, I remember feeling like a great sense of fate. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to be here and I need to trust that. And like, I'm big on homework. (laughs) So I just did the best that I could with research and like put myself through a really quick etiquette course Mm -hmm. uh, for the time, you know, like posture, tea, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I don't recall being as anxious as I get now Mm -hmm. about things. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as super heady then right as I am now right which you know adulthood (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) you're just really trying to unlearn all of the bullshit right you know and and get how you were when you were a kid yeah yeah yeah. what did you think when you first saw Alice the movie that you were in that Alice I, I cried yeah I cried yeah because it was just I know that sounds really weird, but I'm not one of these people that I'm like, oh, can't watch myself Mm -hmm. because I'm not I'm not a method actor at all. But I do differentiate between myself and the character. So I can watch something that I've done and and hopefully my takeaway is that's not me. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. You Mm -hmm. know, it turned out so beautiful. And like, yes, when I'm in those situations where we're on the green screen stage, I was using my imagination so that hopefully the audience, because I'm the one whose eyes you're seeing things through, like I wanted people to be able to see in my eyes, like the majesty of what we were surrounded by. So like I was definitely using my imagination Mm -hmm. and then seeing the finished product. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This is far beyond anything that even I imagined. And it was just such a beautiful experience through and through and I learned so much and grew so much and just had such a magical time on that set with all of those people Mm -hmm. that it was overwhelming I was like I don't even know how this can be real (laughs) like I still think about it sometimes where it's not that I'm detached but I'm in such a different place because I've been doing this since I was like two yeah so obviously there's different chapters to it but Mm -hmm. it's just like I've been so lucky to be a part of the projects that I've been a part of. And Mm -hmm. Alice was just like, I mean, I walk by my living room where the chair is and I go, Oh my God, that was real. (laughs) How cool. It's just, it was such a beautiful part of my life. So yeah, I cried the first time that I watched it. I was just like, shit, like this is real. Yeah. Yeah. And the VFX too are like, so advanced for for 99 and like when I rewatched it I was like you know being an actor a part of it and then watching the final product or it's so far you know like they they did a great job 
They really did. That's a good point, especially yeah. for, for 1999. Yeah. Like, hell yeah, they killed it for yeah. sure. Sometimes I have experiences on films where it's like, oh, I'm having a really hard time personally while I'm shooting this movie. And then, you know, you get emotional watching the final product because you're like, thank God I didn't fucking blow it because <laughs> that was really hard to navigate. Yeah. Um, but then other times, like when it's technical stuff or, you know, it is part of the job as an actor. Like I'm not in control of anything. I can only do my bit. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to like a hundred other people after the fact. Yeah. So it's like, you could do your best in the moment and be edited in a way that you didn't see, but when it comes together in that way, like what an honor and what an honor to be a part of that cast. Yeah. Like that's the part that I can't (laughs) believe now as an adult where it's like Robbie Coltrane, Peter Postlethwaite, Mm -hmm. Christopher Lloyd, Gene Wilder, Martin Short, Whoopi, Miranda, who played the the queen Mm -hmm. just like all of these amazing actors amazing british actors yeah it's just like holy shit (laughs) that's crazy yeah everything you said like was that real like i'm glad that that is a communal experience (laughs) different for you yeah yeah. (laughs) but uh i feel like that is true for many people um but so okay my last alice related question is so as i was doing my research because Oh, we did our research for today. Um, I saw on your IMDb that it goes from Alice to Napoleon. Like those were the Mm -hmm. two projects right next to each other. And I know obviously you took a break in between those two. And I was wondering, it sounds like no, because you had such a good time. But I was wondering if I wrote down, this might be stirring the pot, but did, (laughs) um, did like the working experience on Alice inspire you to take the break? Or was it just a coincidence? Um, I think it was more on, I think it was more leaning towards coincidence, mm-hmm. I guess. It had nothing to do with my experience with them, with yeah. that production, because they were phenomenal and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I think that I became very aware because I turned 13 when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I became very aware that like, first of all, I was really tired. Yeah. I had been amazingly working so much, but. I hadn't been home in forever. I mean, but I also became aware that like I was about to be a teenager and I didn't want to grow up like that on camera, like in front of everybody. And I knew that I didn't know myself that well Mm -hmm. at that point too. And, you know, I was around a lot of young actresses at that time. Yeah. Like very, very famous Mm -hmm. young actresses and it was really hard to watch what they were going through yeah, and what they were going through publicly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to happen to me. And yeah. I wanted to have real life experiences. And I, I also wasn't sure. I'm like, I'm 13. Like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Which I knew the answer was, yeah, but I wanted to be sure. And I wanted mm-hmm. to have things to pull from, you know, with a lot of the young actors that I not that I necessarily even hung out with, but that we were always in the same groups, like auditioning or working or whatever, is like, what are your hobbies? <laughs> yeah, You know, like, I don't want my first kiss to be fake. Mm-hmm. I don't want my prom to be fake. I, I want to know what I'm into outside of this. Like, I want to have a sense of self. And 
because I saw myself being an adult actress as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, not an adult actress in that way. You know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. even think of that. Yes. <laughs> neither. Sorry. That just clicked in my brain and I was like, uh, <laughs> correct that. Um, yeah. A grown up. Mm-hmm. A grown up. Um, I, I knew that the performances that moved me the most in films came from people who had lived a real life. Like their whole life wasn't sets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I just went back to school and I finished school. And then uh, Napoleon literally came across my desk maybe two months into me saying, I'm ready. I'm, I'm let's go. I'm ready. Wow. That's it was, cool. I think it was like either the first or maybe, maybe the second script that I read when I came back. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 See yeah. how we the lobster and the turtles all advance. An unforgettable, heartwarming evening of entertainment for the whole family. Join the dance. The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. Presented by Hallmark, television at a higher standard. Well, wasn't that a grand old time? (laughs) Our segments with Tina have sadly, extremely sadly come to a close now. This is not a situation of surprise, she's on week three. (laughs) She's on (laughs) another week, but that would be fun. I wish. I really wish. Maybe she'll just become our uh, a recurring guest or something. But um, Tina, if you're listening, thank <laughs> you so much for having joined us. It was truly so much fun to talk about all of those things in Alice in Wonderland. And again, to those at home who haven't seen this movie, I hope you feel compelled to watch it after hearing this conversation because it really is as bizarre as we described. So make sure you follow Tina on Instagram at Tina Majorino. And if you want to listen to her podcast with her brother, Kevin, um, it's called No Pressure. And they have a Instagram account for it. And it's at No Pressure Pod. Um, and you should give it a listen. Definitely. Lots, lots more sibling banter where this came from. Did you join the Discord yet? Because we're waiting for you, baby. Please come chat with us about whatever your heart desires. Uh, The link is in the episode description and it also will be in our link tree on Instagram. We still have a lot of good guests coming up. So uh, get ready. If I were to give a hint for the guests, I would say it will be a TikTok takeover vibe. Um, Because both of... Our guests that are upcoming are very, 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 very big on TikTok. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> so. Great. So you have that to look forward to. We have that to look forward to. Um, and we will see you next week. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. 
Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next, or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.